Welcome to Tech Explorations Podcast, Episode 2. In this episode, Peter Dalmaris talks with Wayne Stambo. Wayne has been a developer for the KiCad project for over 12 years and the lead project developer for the last six years. He's an electronics engineer with over 30 years experience in electronics design and software development. Wayne has done a little bit of everything during his career, including digital, analog and embedded design, as well as embedded programming in assembly and C, and desktop programming in C, C++ and Python. In this interview, Wayne takes us back in time to tell the story of KiCad's early days, trials and tribulations. Of course, we also discussed the future of KiCad. With CERN backing the project, as well as other organizations like WIT, which now employs Wayne full-time to work on KiCad as its leader, and thousands of people contributing donations, I expect KiCad to grow and become perhaps the best open-source PCB tool, if not already the best. Wayne spoke about his experience at the recent first KiCad conference, KiCon, and the future of KiCad. Tech Explorations was a proud sponsor of KiCon. This is Tech Explorations podcast episode two. The Tech Explorations podcast is a podcast produced by Tech Explorations. No surprise there. My mission is to share the stories of makers and learn from them. I simply want to explore why and how makers do what they do. Let's welcome Wayne and hear his story now. Wayne, good morning or good evening in your case. How are you? I am fantastic. How about yourself, Peter? Ah, great. I had a, a hectic morning, uh, as I mentioned earlier, with a few technical issues that uh, <laughs> caused a bit of stress, but everything is under control now, or at least partial control, or at least I think they are under control, but we'll see. We'll see later. Uh, but I'm very happy to have you on this <laughs> podcast interview. I'm very excited to have you as the project leader of KiCad. Uh, as you know, KiCad is uh, one of my favorite, favorite open source applications. It really helped me as a maker to create things. And um, that's a, uh, the motivation why I wanted to have you on. Uh, it's changed a lot over the years. And recently, or recently last week, um, there was a first KeyCon or KeyCat conference ever, which was a resounding success. And we'll talk about that later as well. So as I said, it's a privilege to have you on. And um, how about we start with uh, just a little bit of background. Uh, tell us um, who you are. <laughs> where you come from, and um, how eventually did you become the KiCad project leader? So quite a few questions. Well, it's a long story, but I'll, <laughs> I'll try to I'll distill it down into uh, what the shortest version of it as I can. I'm actually an electronics engineer by uh, education and experience. I, uh, I graduated college in 86 gosh has it been that long well wow. <laughs> and uh i've been in i've been in an in industry of all over the map in terms of my skill set everything from embedded to analog to digital i've you know i consider myself a bit of a jack of all trades master of none kind of guy um so about oh gosh i started in 2006 working on KiCad. Hmm. Um, I started because I wanted to give something back to the open source community and um, wasn't sure how to do that. 
I had actually started using open source software all the way back in about 2000, at least regularly. So I kind of lurked around for a while, trying to figure out where I could apply my skills. And it just dawned on me one day because using some of the tools that were available commercially that I wasn't all that happy with, maybe I should see what's out there. And I, you know, found KeyCAD. Yeah. Or rather KeyCAD found me and um, started contributing back in the days, early days, long before it was even on, um, before KeyCAD was even put on any kind of uh, host code hosting service like mm-hmm. SourceForge. It was just, you go download the, the, the uh, source archive and build and, you know, send patches back to Jean-Pierre <laughs> at the time. And so and then, in, you know, then things kind of picked up from there. So, so anyway, yeah, that's my background. I'm, I'm actually not a programmer by trade. I'm a programmer that's self-taught hmm. and, um, you know, up until as, as you may have heard up until last week, I was, a uh, just working on KeyCAD part-time. Now I'm being paid to work on KeyCAD yeah. full-time. Well, let's, uh, um, I want to go back to 2006, right? KeyCAD was, um, I, I didn't know about it at that time. Like I discovered KeyCAD around 2011 or 12, I believe it was maybe version two. Uh, very hard to use back then. So I've got to admit that it didn't really stick. <laughs> Uh, uh, so oh, no, no. <laughs> it was it was a pain, yeah, right? Uh, but you were a contributor from 2006. Uh, what was your contribution like? Um, was you were you contributing as a programmer, perhaps, or as um, um, documentation person, or what was these early days no, like? No, I was I was actually using, or I was, I was attempting to use KiCad at, at where I worked. I had changed right. jobs and with a small startup. And, you know, rather than spend a lot of capital on, you know, some of the commercial products, because we were just doing little test interface boards and I didn't really need anything. I thought, ah, this might be a good, you know, start out small and and test KeyCAD. And of course, it became quickly obvious there were a lot of things that needed worked on. (laughs) Um, So I started digging around in the code and, yeah, it was interesting to say the least. Um, All the comments were in French. Some of the... uh, (laughs) Uh, some of the code, some of the actual um, function names and whatnot were in French, the classes. So I realized that was the first order of business was, you know, know, changing all that so I could understand what the code did. So I spent probably the first, I would say good year, year and a half that I worked on KeyCAD, just doing that. And and learning French, I guess. (laughs) Yep. And format, you know, getting the formatting all cleaned up and then getting all the French stuff translated to English. And so when, when, when it, I using Google translate, so when things didn't make any sense in the translation, I actually had to go back and kind of figure out what the code did. Right. Yeah. So I could, you know, fix the doc, the internal documentation. So once we got that done, it, it that whole process, I started seeing like things in the code that I realized that if we wanted, or if, KeyCAD was going to ever expand, we had to clean up. So there was a lot, probably the first three years that I was with the project, it was just refactoring and code cleaning Mm -hmm. just to get the code base to a manageable place. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we did, you know, I did a lot of fixes and whatnot, 
during that time, but nothing major, you know, I didn't really add any great, any new features or anything like that. It was just get the code base where it was workable. So other people could even contribute to it. Yeah. So that's wow. how I started. So um, what was the, the rest of the team back then? So uh, the, the original creator of KiCad, uh, Jean-Pierre, I think his name, uh, was still in the project. Yes. Is he still with the project today? in 2019 yes yes right so so I, I wonder back then when you were doing all this refactoring work and i'm really setting the stage for kick uh, kickhead to grow uh, and we'll get to that later to version five and then version six which is coming out i believe later this year um there was a lot of work to be done what was that a kind of decision making inside the, the the group that you had with the various people that you had. Um, I guess everybody was part time contributors, so it was like a, a, a loosely integrated group. So I wonder how uh, a particular decision was made to move the project in a particular direction. And if you could describe that in a few uh, words, I guess. Sure. Um, well, a lot of people don't know uh, J Jean Pierre JP which we affectionately call him. Um, he started the project in 1992. So it's been around mm. for a very, very long time. And he pretty much worked at it on it by himself. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, JP is, he worked, he was a professor at a, a university in France and don't ask me to pronounce the name. Um, so he created KiCad to, uh, for his students to, so they could design board boards for the you know his students that he was teaching so it kind of grew it was he was basically a one-man show i'm guessing based on some of the code that i saw he probably had some programming students mm -hmm. contribute because it, it it had a very you know academic you know sophomore <laughs> college kind of yeah i mean you could tell that, that they weren't experienced programmers you know that were working on it so it kind of grew yeah. into that. it reminds me of Arduino a little bit, yeah. Oh, that went on for you know quite a long time. So you can imagine the code base was pretty messy by the time in 2006. Uh, Dick, Dick Hollenbeck, the first uh project leader, convinced JP to make the code public and put it on a hosting site, which was, originally it was with SourceForge. So that, that was when I got involved, right about that exact, right when all that was taking place, that's when I got mm. involved. So basically, the three of us kind of made all the decisions together because Jean-Pierre did not, he was, wasn't really interested in running a project. You know, his, he doesn't speak any English. So, see, he writes English okay, but I think even then he needs some oh, help. Yeah. So that's why I don't think he, you know, and he's kind of shy. I had a chance to meet him. So I don't think that was really something he was really interested in. Um, so he graciously, I mean, you know, I mean, we wouldn't be here time this conversation if he wasn't gracious enough to, you know, kind of let go okay. of his baby yeah. and turn it, you know, let it loose into the wider world. And so, you know, we decided that we would try to make KeyCAD the, the mo you know, as good as we could with the manpower that we had, yeah. but we knew in order for that to happen, you know, the, a lot of, we had to do a lot of cleanup to, before we started the next phase. Yeah. And um, I, I guess that cleanup is the boring work, right? It's, it's not like you're pumping out exciting new features that people are like, wow, look at that. It's just, 
it's all under the hood, so you don't really witness it as the end user. But in order to get to where you are yep. now, you have to do that work. And like, uh, that, that sounds so familiar. What, as, as makers, we really like to get in and do some quick and dirty experimentation and get something done. But then we get bored when it's time to fix it up and improve it and make it reliable and then something that we can build on later, right? Right. Well, I mean, it, it is a thankless job, but yeah. it, it, you know, you have to, you have, at some point you have to decide where you want the project to go. I mean, if we would have stayed in that, you know, bolt here, bolt something on there, but it would have never been able to grow the way it has. I mean, it would, it would have been completely impossible to add on in any meaningful way to the original code base. So yeah. we, the, the work just had to be done. So Sometimes you have to roll up your sleeves and <laughs> yep. make that sacrifice. Yep, the hard work. Somebody's got to do it. Well, I'm thinking now about the community because in 2006, um, in terms of number of users, still at the very beginning of that upward trend and you are competing with applications like uh, Eagle, for example, that everybody knows about and there's a uh, so much documentation it's all these problems ironed out so there's competition but then the project starts to pick up and people know about it uh, even i hear about it say around 2011 uh, i wonder how do you then start to listen to what the community is saying so then that the feedback that is coming from the community how does that contribute into the project well, I, I think it's been really beneficial. I mean, the community has been really good about um, uh, testing, reporting bugs. Um, I'm always surprised about the number of people who run the night nightly builds. Hmm. I mean, because anything goes there. I mean, you can now. One of the things we've tried to do as a project is keep nightly or the master branch as stable as possible. But of course, anytime as you're introducing new features, things go wrong. But we have a really large group of people who, you know, are re really get bug bug reports out right away, so we can fix mm. those, and so that 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 branch stays usable. In yeah. fact, when I was working, I pretty much ran a nightly build from when I when I worked. Now I always kept a stable build just in case things weren't working and Go I had back. to get work done. But but yeah, I think the community has done us a really a big favor by you know, running nightly builds and, and testing. So yeah. that's been, that's been invaluable. And they all could, they also kind of, um, they kind of shape the big feet, like the next version, they shape the features that kind of go in mm. because we have a pretty good idea based on feedback from, from our users, what they want the most. Of course, sometimes other things have to go in because the thing that they want depends on something else. So it's not always as cut and dried as, you know, giving the people what they want. But generally speaking, we try to, we try to base our decisions for the next uh, release version on, um, or let the next development cycle on the user feedback. And, and you as a leader, that's your responsibility, right? Or one of those responsibilities is to try ash, I guess, uh, what's going to be what your team is going to be working on next based on a lot of factors, including feedback from the community and uh, you know, you as the lead engineer, I guess, where you think the project should go because it's also a personal thing. Uh, is that how it works? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, uh, it works in the end. I have the final say, 
you know, being the project leader. But for the most part, we don't really have, I mean, I have a pretty good, I, I think I have a pretty good feel for what the users want and what my development, you know, what our development team, what the KeyCAD development team is can provide it mm-hmm. and, and their technical skills and what they are willing to work on. So it's a, it is a balancing act. I mean, there's never yeah. any, you know, you know, if I had a blank check and I could do whatever, yeah, things would be a little different, but given our, uh, our dev, our development team, we really have a solid team. I, I couldn't ask for a, a better group of people to work with. So it makes my job a lot easier. Great. Like bringing up the team now, because there's like, there's a few ways I can, uh, like a few questions I can ask at this point. And I was thinking community, maybe talk about Kikon next, because it is a big expression of what the community looks like at this point in time, but maybe leave that for just another couple of minutes and talk about the team next. So the team obviously has grown. We're now in 2019. You joined the project more than 10 years ago. Uh, it was three people back then. And what is the team like now? Oh, it's, well, when I say team, I'm, I'm, I'm looking out past just the developers because KeyCAD's a lot more than just the applications, you know, the source code. We have a whole group of people that provide libraries, you know, symbols, footprints, 3D packages. We've got a group of people that do the translations into foreign languages. We've got a group of people that create the packages, the, the installers for all the different platforms. There's people that work on documentation. There's people that maintain the websites, the web page or all that stuff. There's people that maintain the uh, CI built, you know, the constant integration builds. So it, it really is a, a much yeah. larger group of people than the immediate development team. Right now we have about, I would say, six, seven lead developers that contribute regularly. And there's a couple more that don't contribute as much anymore as they used to. Mm-hmm. So I think we have like 10 or 12 people on the lead development team. Then there's probably a couple dozen contributors who do just you know, small contributions here and there. Then you have the librarians. That's a, that's a pretty big group. I see quite a few people contributing to that. Yeah. I would say in total, it's probably like 50 or 60 people, maybe more that are pretty regular contributors to KeyCat. So it, it, it's a big group. I mean, you know, and would they be like distributed around the world? It's like all over the place. Oh yeah, we have people all over the place. Yeah, there's no keycap. Yes, yes, office, we have people. Right? <laughs> I mean, you know, nope, nope. Yeah, I'm sitting in it right now. <laughs> it's my office. Well, um, now you are. Yeah, I mean, you know, we have a couple. Of- uh, sorry, Wayne. So I was, I was about to say you are now uh, a full time contributor to the project. Uh, you are employed by Wit. Uh, full time to work on KeyCAD. Uh, is it like unique in the in the group, or are there like how is the group funded? Uh, like, like if well, it is funded, well, it is funded by somewhat by donations. Okay, it's, mm. it's kind of there's actually several things going on there. Um, there we have the KeyCAD uh, donation site, which is through CERN. I don't know yeah. if you're aware of that. Yeah, but um, CERN also pays two developers, not full-time, but part-time to work on KeyCAD. So part of their time as work at CERN 
they contribute to KiCad. These are um, Kik, uh, CERN engineers. And then there's some people. In, yes, CERN. Yes, yeah, CERN. CERN engineers. Well, one's a programmer and one's an engineer. Yep. Um, and they've been with the project since CERN joined in. I think CERN joined in 2010 or 2011. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, I'm just uh, showing yep, the donation <laughs> the donation page here. Yeah. So that's how and then, so what, the engineers are so what we, funded. Well, no, they're paid directly from CERN. Those donations actually go to pay people to contribute projects. So some some of the other lead developers like will work up a work package for a new a new feature, and we'll assign one of the lead developers that, and then they'll they'll get paid when it's done. So the donations get the donations that go to CERN can only be used to pay developers to, you know, write, write software. Yep. And the nice thing about donating to CERN is there's no overhead. So every dollar you give to CERN goes to GCAD development. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think uh, this started, um, or I'll I, I rephrase that, KiCad 5, I believe, was funded this way, right? Uh, and KiCad 6 now, um, you have, uh, or uh, the donations uh, through CERN have funded or are funding the development for KiCad 6. Is that right? And I believe it's yes. fully funded at the moment. Yes, yes. It's, well, it's, it's not funding all of it because some of our... Some of our um, developers, you know, you know, most of them are part-time. The rest of our lead development team is um, just doing it on the side. They have full-time jobs mm. doing something else. Almost without fail, out exception, I think they're all electronics engineers. Yeah. So they use KiCad where they work, and so they help contribute to its development. So great so um, that's what I like about this project like it's uh, it's funding it's support from the community can be translated uh, directly to donations but then the, the the classic you know part-time programmer model that has worked for so many other open source projects like like Apache for example um, nginx and all that like the, it's still valid so you've got a mix of of sources for Productivity. I'd say you you're full time, supported by a private company that is um, graciously, basically allowing you all the time that you need to work as a leader on the project. And then there's a lot of other engineers. Some of them directly paid by CERN, others by the donation through CERN. And then there's I don't know hundreds, maybe thousands of people that contribute documentation, libraries, translations, right? So, and they do that for in their, for in their spare time for free. So, <laughs> yeah. um, is it possible to put a number to the number of, like, to the size of the project based on the number of contributors that are active? even at a small scale, like um, a small amount of time per week or per month, would it be in the thousands maybe or hundreds? Probably, I would say the hundreds total, you know, even people that contribute just, you know, they might contribute a symbol here or a translation yeah. there. So yeah, it's probably in the hundreds. So that shows engagement. Great. I don't think it's in the thousands yet. Yeah. We're, we're not there yet. I'm working there. <laughs> 
Well, I'd like to talk about that switch and talk about the community next. And yeah, okay, okay, because I'm looking at the time as well. I'd like to fit as much as possible to our conversation. So let's switch to the community and the um, Kikat had its first conference in Chicago last week that I missed uh, work, uh, unfortunately, but I hope I can make the next one. And it was a resounding success. I'm looking here at all the beer that was consumed and the fun that was had after the like the official part of the conference with the lectures. So did you want to tell us, uh, would you like to tell us a little bit about it, especially the motivation for the first um, KitKat conference? Uh, it's a big event, takes effort to organize it, uh, takes a lot of time. Uh, Chris uh, Gamel uh, was the organizer here. Uh, I'm not sure. He probably had help from others, but he's uh, the lead person for the conference. What was the motivation behind the conference, Wayne? Well, well, that's interesting because we've been. I've been going to FOSDEM, which is the biggest uh, open source software conference in Europe, for the last five years, and I've been giving a talk on KiCad, and it's been really well received it, it actually exceeded any expectations i ever had of you know the kind of attendance that you know some of the other big projects get so chris was there i think two years ago and he saw the enthusiasm and he came to me i don't remember what it was and asked me if we if i'd be interested in doing key cotton and i'm like Oh, if you think we can get enough people to turn out, I'm, uh, I'm like, sure. I, I think it'd be a great idea. I don't know how successful we'll be, but um, at that time, obviously, I was still working a full time job and working part time on KeyCast. Zero help, uh, other than, you know, sitting in on a conference call every once in a while. It, it was all him. I just told him to take the ball and. Oh, sorry, when you're breaking up. Yes, and had the volunteers. And it, he made it happen. Yeah. So, and it, it turned out fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I can see here. So what was the attendance like? It, it was interesting. About a month and a half before the event, um, we had only sold about 110 to 120 tickets, which would have been probably not anything to feel bad about. But that last month and a half leading up to the event, they sold out all 220 tickets. <laughs> yeah. So they actually ended up having to turn people away. Yeah. So you need so a bigger it, venue it next time. It was pretty amazing. So uh, there were, just to, to uh, talk about uh, KeyCon, actually, let me search for it here, about uh, what did I miss out on by not being able to make it. Uh, it was packed with a lot of talks, right? There were the, the talks about... The projects there was there was teaching uh there was your keynote as well yeah there i mean it 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 was i mean everything about it was good the talks were there were good talks all over key economy you had um there was the usual technical talks there were some great industry talks you had the folks from uh system 76 mm -hmm. and um snap eda and there was all the, there were some good maker talks, people doing, you know, those things that you don't kind of expect from KeyCon or from KeyCAD. So like, did you, I, I noticed when you had the um, pictures up, did you see the coffin? Yes. Well, did you see the coffin project? <laughs> if you look down, it's, uh, there we go. Well, the badge was cool. That was a great start. 
That's the badge. Uh, a coffin badge. <laughs> uh, so coming up. So it's it's this one here, right? Yeah. Yeah, there it is on the on the left. Yeah. So yeah. So so the talks were all good. Um the vendors were all set up. We had a lot of I mean the sponsors were we had an amazing group of sponsors. So everything was taken care of. The food, there was breakfast and lunch, both, you know, both days. And um, there was uh, uh, after hours events. Well, there was a kind of a pre-event on Thursday night. And then there were, there was an, a really neat event on Friday night at um, the Makerspace in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And it was really neat. So we went and uh, went there and saw their facility. Um, and then, of course, the pictures you see at the uh, everybody raising their glasses, that's that was uh, Saturday night at a place called Jefferson Tap in Chicago. So yeah. the after hours events, yep, the after hours events were excellent. Um, and I think the thing that was most that really struck me was how excited everybody was. Mm. I mean, it, it, it was really a high energy uh conference i mean people were just excited about KeyCAD and the possibilities going forward so yeah i think the future is really bright i mean that's how you know you have a community right you know, every, when this happens and from, you know from the maker space all the way up to the commercial space yeah well uh speaking of the future uh you had a keynotes uh, you were the keynote speaker for the conference and uh here's here's you down here the first day, state of KiCad and version five point one and beyond. I'm I'm very interested to know about the beyond part. <laughs> Could you put that in a nutshell? Like, what is even if it, even if the team or yourself are not committed to a particular future, and maybe you don't know exactly what it's going to be like. What do you think it might be like? Uh, what should KiCad users, current and future, perhaps, should expect from KiCad? <clears throat> well, there's you can if you you can watch the mock and that will give you probably a more comprehensive view. But kind of a, a rough outline is we're finally going to update the schematic and symbol library file formats, which we it's been on our list for a long time. In fact, I'm going to probably do well, I, I am doing all that work. Um, that lays the foundation for a whole bunch of things a whole bunch of features that we haven't been able to provide things like pin and gate swapping, hmm. um, selectable pin names for symbols. There's a whole bunch of, you know, any one of about a dozen features both in the board editor and the um, schematic editor that re that they kind of depend on. But above and beyond that, there's, uh, we already have uh, hash zone fills that are done. Hmm. We've got some improvements to the um, footprint tool uh, in terms of pads, both uh, rectangular pads and um, polygons uh, or, or complex pad shapes. There's a lot of work going on on there. Then we're the auto router. There's significant changes to the auto router. Come up, uh, auto router, the push up. So that's happening. There's uh, 
the schematic editor is going to be completely designed with the uh, new tool framework. So like all the nifty features that you have in the board editor, like snapping and uh, complex, uh, you know, uh, highlight complex collection, those are all into the schematic editor, hmm. which should make it a lot nicer to work with. So if I understand right, the, the focus is on usability and flexibility, but the, the the way to get there is to rework how the libraries work and the the format for the libraries. So that's where you're starting now. Yep. And that's uh, is it? Yep. Keycat six, or at least part of that is Keycat six. Yep, Keycat six. Yeah. And if you can always go, I know it's a little out of date, but I'm getting ready to update that here probably any day now. But you can always go to the Keycat website, and if you go into the developer documentation there's a link to the roadmap and so you can always see what we're working on. So there so will be, go look, if you go to the key guide website yep. and you're going to, it's under, uh, no, it's under uh, contribute. Yep. Developers and developers and scroll down. Um, oh, when you get there, did you not get there? Yeah. Scroll down a little bit. You'll see the, um, now there, see, it, it still points to the version five roadmap, but if you click on that, you'll see all of it. Uh, so, uh, here, right. Yeah, right there. I'm getting yep. started. Yeah. Click that. This is all of the KeyCAD documentation. You'll see, uh, <laughs> Yep, internet. On the left-hand side, you'll see a, a pane that has, you'll be able to see version V6 roadmap. There you go. Yeah. Uh, there it comes. And you can click on that, version 6. And then there's all the things that, and so yeah. there's there's a lot of things going on. Um, on the right. board, the schematic pretty ambitious if we get it all done it is very ambitious uh what, what's the time frame is this going to be available to people at least like a stable version uh, this year 2019 no I, I i doubt it it's pretty ambitious yeah um you what we've been doing in the past is about a two-year burn but now that i'm working full-time on keycad we should be able to cut that down by a lot um, one of the, uh, sorry, Wayne. One of the things good. was one of the problems was when I was working part coming the bottleneck. In other words, I couldn't get around to reviewing patches, answering questions fast enough, and I was slowing KeyCAD's development down. But now I can get on. You know, now I can work on every get those done right away, so that people who need to know or need an answer can get an answer quickly, and then they can continue on with what they're doing and I'll have enough time to actually do some code because really last, I'd say in the last year and a half that I haven't done very much coding at all. I've yeah. just, it's just been project maintenance. Yeah. And leadership, those things, things take long times. Um, uh, just half joking here, Wayne, um, if you were like updating, 
the versions or progressing through the versions of KiCad very fast, like from five to six within less than a year, that puts a lot of stress on myself because I will have to update the book. <laughs> and that's a, a pretty big project as well. Um, so, yep, yeah, I'm always thinking about, okay, how much of the book is now uh, in in my queue for an update as well because the, the KiCad has changed. So that's uh, one of the, uh, I think, uh, really good aspects of the new structure in the team and how the team works because KiCad was in version four for a few years, right? And then uh, very quickly went to five and then uh, six is uh, in the works right now. So I've noticed that the, the the productivity has increased a lot and going through versions and new features has accelerated compared to what it used to be like. So I guess a momentum is increasing. Well, yeah, that's, that's because of the increase in the new development. You know, like I said, we have in the last uh, about year and a half, two years, we've got four new lead, four new members, of the lead development team, and mm. they've been very consistent contributors, which has helped a lot. Yeah. I mean, that's really helped the project move forward pretty quickly. Great. Um, I, I wonder now, just um, we'll start wrapping it up and um, concluding uh, for this interview. And um, like, my next question is this, like imagine that you are a, an engineer and um, you've been working, like you are, but you, you need a computer edit design program to build your PCBs with and uh, you have a lot of choice, like there's the the traditional um, commercial applications like Protel, Orcad, Eagle, and most of those have got a free version. So the monetary issue is not always a problem. Most of those have got a free version. Um, and the, of course, there's open source, there's KiCad, and there's a few others. Why would such person choose KiCad? And that person like... Just to put a bit of context, like it could be a maker, uh, like a lot of our listeners. Uh, so a single person designing a single project, not necessarily in a team, or maybe in a small team, right? Um, why would such person choose to work with KiCad? Well, there's there's several reasons. I mean, one, I'm, I'm not sure the communities around those other projects well, Eagle used to have a pretty good community, but I think since Autodesk has taken them over, I, mm. they've managed to alienate their community mm. somewhat. So um, with yeah. their licensing changes, and that's one nice thing you don't have, that's one thing you don't have to worry about ever happening to KiCad. Yeah. We're not going to ever change our license. I mean, you, you can't. It's There's too it's much fixed. code from too many people that it's always going to be the GPL. So, so that's that, a big one, isn't um, it? If, you know, now, some people don't consider that a risk, um, some people do. I think the whole Eagle mess was a, a good indication of just how tenuous that can be. So yeah, it's a decision you have to make. Um, but the community around KiCad is really solid. Hmm. And so if you're looking for, a, you know, a community to help support you with whatever it is you're doing, KiCad's very good at, you know, very good at that. I think the other thing where KiCad's, um, interesting is there's a, a a move in open hardware these days that's really it kind of almost has the feel of those of us who are 
old enough to remember when the open source free or open source software movement started way back when um the 90s it has now, that right? the open hardware movement currently has that same kind of feel yeah, yeah. like we're like right on the cusp of something much bigger and in order for any design to be truly open you have to be able to have the you know the tools have to be feel freely available in fact that's what kind of motivated cern to help keycat uh cern has an open hardware license and i don't know if you're familiar with it or not but one of their mandates as an organization is because they're publicly funded all of their development has to be open to the public right so they created a hardware license so that they could you know open their hardware designs to the public what they realized was they were there all their stuff was done in altium huh. well yes technically their designs were open but practically they weren't because not everybody can justify the cost of altium so that's kind of what drove uh cern to contribute to keycat oh, so if you, so if you are working towards open hardware designs keycat is really your best choice you know it doesn't make sense to do an open design in a proprietary product because yeah. at any time they could decide eh, nope we're not gonna let you do that anymore and that that's something you don't have to worry about with yeah. keycat so very true are, and, yeah. and it's a tool that's and there's it's a tool that's only going to get better from here you yeah. know, if, if the feature you just got to have isn't available yet, you're probably only going to have to wait to the next version until it's available. And uh, I'd like to just yep. comment on one more thing is a lot. I think there's a little bit of a confusion out there about how powerful KingCat is in its current state. We actually have a, a gentleman who designs. He has a board with a 700 pin FPGA on it. That's 30 layers. It's immensely complex, and he's actually been asking us for more layers, which hopefully we can do in <laughs> version seven. So yeah. if you don't believe that KeyCat is powerful enough to do really highly complex work, I don't think you've looked at it closely enough. And uh, you do have a page here where you highlight projects built with KeyCat, and look at that. Like, it's amazing. Like, these are complex devices. Um, they have pretty much all of the features that you expect a uh, highly you know, condensed and integrated board to have. And uh, and these are all made, actually most of these would be made with an earlier version of KiCad as well because these projects have been here for a while. Yep. So there's a lot of power here. And, and the beauty of all those projects is they're all online. So if you mm -hmm. want to, check you know i think all of almost all of them are on github you can check them out check out the uh project files in keycad and you know play yeah. around you know modify the designs uh, i've got to say that that's how i learned uh, a lot of keycad myself is by looking at these projects and see how projects like these were built on keycad and essentially reverse engineering yeah. and learning uh some of the tricks hidden that are not documented eventually um, yeah. Uh, so when I, I wanted to ask you maybe one or two last questions to, to wrap up this interview and, um, here's the first one. So, uh, if somebody wants to contribute, so one of our listeners, so 
people that are listening to this interview want to contribute to the project in some way other than a direct contribution donation through CERN. Uh, how do they go about doing that? Do you have a place, for example, where you say we need a person to document, we need a programmer, we need some other skill set? Um, how do they go about contributing? Well, if, if you want to contribute to the, the key candidate applications through, by donate, you know, by patches or um, whatnot, you would go to Launchpad. That's where we currently host our our uh, source code for KeyCAD, and you would join the developers mailing list, and then you probably would uh, submit a patch. There, there's instructions on how to do that in the uh, remember that developers document that I took you to for the roadmap. Uh, there, yep. There's some. Uh, there's some hints in there how to become, you know, help you become Develop a developer. This. And there's also some on the website itself. Mm -hmm. So there you go. So you go to this page here for developers and there's Launchpad uh, where the source code is used. And this is open source means you can download it, um, make changes, contributions, and then you can push it back into Launchpad where one of your team will then accept a patch or a contribution? Yep. Yeah, we'll, uh, you know, we will, uh, you know, do a, a patch review and, you know, comment it, comment on it. And, you know, if it gets accepted, then, yeah, it'll get merged. And, you know, mm -hmm. I generally tell people to start small. Uh, KeyCAD's not a lightweight project by any stretch of the imagination. It's pretty serious code base. I think we're over a million lines of code now. So, it's not easy to just jump right in and contribute. Yeah. And you're one of the few projects, uh, like CAD projects that are cross-platform compatible. I think that was one of the, also one of the big reasons of why someone would select KiCad, right? It's very rare. It works everywhere. Oh yeah, I, th I think e as far as I know, Eagle's the only other one that's on all three major platforms. Yeah. I, I don't think any of the other big commercial vendors support most of them are windows only yeah great um when is the next kick on going to be held <laughs> uh i don't know we'll have to ask chris um <laughs> the, i have i have to laugh because right when the conference kicked off somebody made a comment that maybe every other year we should go to europe yeah. So we have KeyCon in the United States one year and then KeyCon in Europe the next year. But don't, uh, don't forget Australia. We'll What's that? <laughs> don't forget Australia. <laughs> yeah, oh, man. yeah, I'd like to come to Australia. <laughs> haven't been there yet. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome here. Um and uh yeah, we should do one. <laughs> uh, I'll talk yeah, to Chris. <laughs> if, if you you know, now that now that I actually work on KeyCAD, I can I can justify traveling now. Yeah, uh, gl glad to help in any way I can. So um we'll be in touch. <laughs> Um, hmm. Well, um, I'm going to let you close any way that you like. Uh, one, like, actually, one thing that I ask always is, how do people get in touch with you? So maybe you can briefly tell us about what your preferred method of communication with people from around the world, and then just take it away and tell us um, anything you want, any, any message you have for people you uh, that use Kika today, or people that are potentially going to use Kika makers. Um, the, probably the best way is through the developer's mailing list, unless, unless it's something that directly needs my attention. Um, 
nowadays I'll actually have more time for that stuff. But if you, sometimes if you email me directly, if it's something that's related to KeyCat in general, somebody else might be able to answer that question faster than I can. Um, but if it's something that, you know, that only a question that only I can answer, then I generally speaking, it's email. Email is my preferred medium. Yeah. Um, are you on Twitter, just, Facebook, any of those? It's not perfect, but it's the best we have when we're online. <laughs> yeah, email works. Like, reliable. Yeah. Uh, are, you not, are, are you on social media, you know, um, I, Twitter? I do. I, I may actually start now before, before I got hired. I, there just wasn't time. Yeah. You know, it was That's just, there just wasn't, I mean, I'm not, I wasn't burning any cycles doing that because it was, I, I was on full you know, I'd come home from work in the evening and work on KeyCAD for a while and there wasn't a lot of free time. So I have not done the social media thing. Although I'm thinking about maybe start maybe doing YouTube videos or something in the future just for like communications. Yeah. Um, yeah. Maybe simple, you know, add some stuff. There is a KeyCAD uh, YouTube channel. Uh, there's not a lot on it yet, but I hope that will happen. And there's also a Twitter feed which maybe I'll start doing project updates from that. But in the past, no, I haven't. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a good way of communication, especially Twitter. I like it, although I don't use it as much. I have the same problem as you, but it's a way to broadcast short messages. And each of those messages can just be like 100 characters, quick update. And uh, uh, it, it doesn't burn too many cycles, <laughs> brain cycles, uh, compared to um, writing a whole blog post, which is something that I'm doing now for one of my previous interviews and it takes like half a day eh. <laughs> it's a big job <laughs> um all right so then the, the next thing that i wanted to uh, ask you was to just um anything that comes to mind and a message perhaps for current kicat users and people that will uh, perhaps be using kicat in the future something that like a message that you want to pass over to them well i, th I think the biggest thing is just to say thank you i mean the support is overwhelming sometimes. I mean, it really is humbling. I never expected this project to get to where it is today. But if you would have told me 13 years ago that I'd be sitting here today having an interview about KeyCAD and I'm now being paid full time to, to run the project, I would, I would have laughed at yeah. it. <laughs> I would have thought that was completely absurd. Um, I certainly never got, I certainly never started out with that in mind, but thanks to the community of people who not only use KeyCAD, but who stepped up and helped yeah. with the development and, you know, all the areas that, you know, KeyCAD has developers. It, it's really been a great, it really been a humbling uh, experience. And I hope we can take it. You know, my goal for the project is, you know, one of the things I really, because I'm an engineer, my goal for KeyCAD is to make it the best possible product that I can mm -hmm. for, for board designers, you know, cause Guys have to get work done. That and that means that the at the highest levels. You know, I'm not just shooting, I'm not just trying to make a simple product for people to go make simple things with. I mean, you'll always be able to do that with KeyCAD. Um, but in the end, the I think the real goal is to drive KeyCAD as far as we can. Yeah. Um, we have the team in place with the technical skills to do it. So I think it's just a matter of time. I really do. Definitely, yeah. You know? Well, thank you. That uh, I think you can see like a community building out up around that, like people writing Python scripts and stuff yeah. like that, that have really helped drive 
KeyCat into places that I wouldn't have not expected it to go. So, and this um, also a like testament to uh, thank you to everyone who organized KeyCon. Thank you to everyone who uses KeyCat and who's donated. Um, and I'd like to thank you for inviting me on your show and uh, for this interview. Uh, my, my pleasure, Wayne. And uh, I want to thank you now <laughs> for all the work that you've done. Uh, and I'm thanking you as um, as a maker who uses KeyCat every day. I use KeyCat in my courses. Uh, I'll use KeyCat for my personal little projects. It really has changed the way that I work. And that is thanks to people like yourself, Jean-Pierre, the, the whole team, hundreds of contributors, um, uh, hundreds of perhaps thousands of um, people that have donated. So it's like, it's just amazing of where you can go with uh, in, in a communal effort, with sustained effort over a few years, because, you know, things don't happen overnight. It takes for KCAD, what, 30 years almost? <laughs> Perseverance, like you got to stick with it. And eventually you do have something that is amazing and truly worth talking about and working on so thank you <laughs> oh you're welcome okay so um um i hope that everybody enjoyed this interview um if you have questions please put them down in the comments below um and uh you can always get in touch with wayne directly or through the uh, mailing list as well and um looking forward to the next kick on i'll try to make it and to kick at six later this year. There's going to be an amazing release. Great. Thank you, Peter. Okay. Have a good day, Wayne. Bye-bye. Thank, thank you. You too. Bye now. That's all for this episode. The notes for this episode that include links to many of the resources mentioned and information on how to get in touch with Wayne are available on our website, techexplorations.com. Each episode comes with its own page on the Tech Explorations website and a gold mine of information in the notes. This podcast episode was produced by Tech Explorations. Do you have any questions or suggestions? Would you like to nominate a maker to be our guest? And of course, you can nominate yourself. Please email us at pa at texplore.com. Subscribe to us on iTunes by searching for the name of our podcast, Tech Explorations. Thanks for listening and we'll see you again next time.